Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number one of the Forever Strength Podcast. I'm Andrew Coates and my co-host, Bailey, Bailey Lau. Hello. So, and uh, Bailey Lau. So for anybody listening to this, especially if you've ever heard my Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast, so this is actually a, a side project. It's something different that Bailey and I are working on together. And we have an online women's group strength training program. And as of recording this, when we just started the second round and the first one, our beta test had 31 women who loved it and thrived. And the second round is, I think in the, we're finalizing the, the number, but I think it's about 35. And so we wanted to create this podcast first and foremost, as something for the women who are cool enough to come and join us. But I mean, it's going to be available to everybody. So if you're a listener from the outside and you're enjoying this, we're going to do a lot of our episodes are going to be shorter pieces on topics that we're eight we're trying to serve the the community that we're helping but for a broader audience so if you like this and you want to share it with a friend please do uh and then uh but what we're going to start with is a concept called reps in reserve which we was like whoa that's advanced stuff why, why do we start there but it's one of the fundamental elements of the program but we'll get into the science of reps in reserve training to failure so I'm going to pose some questions and I'm going to let Bailey dive in and, and do most of the answering. So, all right, Bailey, do you want to first explain what reps and reserve actually is? Yeah. So reps and reserve is, um, it's a way to gauge the intensity of your workout, um, in terms of how much you're lifting. Um, so reps and reserve is exactly what it sounds like. How many reps you have left after completing a set. Why do you think it's not an easier intuitive concept when people first come across it? I think, especially for beginners, um, it's, it's hard to gauge where you're at anyway. A lot of beginners and even intermediate lifters, they don't really know where failure is. Um, so they don't know how to gauge where to go from there. So, you know, they do a set of 10 and they think, oh, this is hard. I must be working hard where in reality, the longer they start training, they're like, oh, I wasn't really training hard. I was probably reps in reserve of 10 even. <laughs> Beginners are notorious for not having a clue. That is not to be disparaging about what they're potentially capable of. Like I, I work with lots of people who they like, they stop and they sort of think they hit failure. They probably had five or six more. So yeah. how, do, how do we get someone who's maybe a little newer to lifting or maybe even intermediate? How do we get them to get comfortable with the idea of figuring out, okay, I'm supposed to do 10 reps of this set and I've got two reps in reserve. I'm supposed to leave myself. How do I learn how to recognize that I could do two more reps before I reach strict failure? Yeah. I think most of it comes from practice. Um, so of course the women in our program, then we're starting out with, like you said, 10 reps, two reps in reserve. So Sometimes you think, oh, yeah, maybe I could do, you know, just for example, 65 pounds and get 12 reps out of it. So here's here's my 10 and I leave two in the tank and they get to the end and they're like, oh, maybe I could have done five. Right. So it's sort of just a learning curve with anything else. You get better at it. And even advanced lifters there, you can guess sure what you're supposed to be at and calculate it with all their the equations and stuff out there. But um some days are better than others. So really it could change day to day and it's just sort of with practice, you get better. Awesome. Uh, and what would you tell someone to do? Let's say if they're supposed to do, 
again, 10 reps with two reps left in reserve and they, they do their weight, but they find that they could have done five more. What, what, what then are they supposed yeah, to, so, or what are they supposed to do? Well, and right. If we're going from a scale of one to 10, that would mean that it's only half as hard than your failure. Right. So I would say add weight and then just, it's sort of a guess and check to begin with. Um, and then with practice, especially practicing the same exercises, um, you get closer and closer to, to guessing right. And it's more information for the following week too. Let's say you've done all of your sets. It doesn't mean you have to go back and do another set or crank out a whole bunch of, of other things. You can very quickly learn to auto-regulate and it's information valuable for the next week. Perfect. Yeah, so exactly. there's another common system, rep, uh, rate of perceived exertion, RPE, that's commonly used, assigned by coaches. Uh, and I think it can work, but do you want to explain maybe what RPE is and what are some of the pitfalls and maybe why we chose to go with reps in reserve? Yeah. So first off, reps in reserve um, is the inverse of rate of perceived exertion and definition. Rate of perceived exertion is just how hard you think you're working. Um, usually on, it started at a Borg scale, which is 60 to 20, which seems like a really random number, right? Um, but it's actually related to heart rate. So say you were at a 12 out of between six and 20, um, multiplied by 10, your perceived heart rate should be around 120 beats per minute. So that's sort of where it came from. Um, the scale is very subjective. So comparing that, it's easier for us humans, really, for anything to be one to 10. So that's sort of why it got changed. And that's what most people use. Um, so I'd say that reps and reserve is a little bit more intuitive because comparing your set, because it's the inverse, if you say, oh, it was an RPE 10 inverses, oh, I had two left, right? But the first thing you think of is even when you're thinking RPE, I had two left. So my RPE is eight. So it's just like, it's cutting out a step in the middle there, really. Makes sense. In my experience, I mean, if, if beginners struggle with the idea of reps in reserve, I find that the women in our group, that was the question that they had the most. And that's the question this first round again for any or second round with, with the new ones. They're struggling with the concept. They nail it quickly. Whereas RPE, like you said, it's crazy subjective. And even experienced lifters may describe someone says, oh, an RPE of nine, which is pretty bloody intense. Might be someone yeah. else 9.5 or 10. And it's so arbitrary that it's not as easy to compare across time, I find. And I think very advanced lifters, it can be a really great system, especially if, if you've chosen that system. But I find it's a little bit arbitrary. So that's why we went with reps and reserve. And we hope that everybody who's exposed to it, it becomes a bit more intuitive. You mentioned the Borg scale. So if you're a personal trainer listing, somehow you found your way onto us. We laugh at the Borg scale because it tends to show up in PT certifications. You have to know it for the exam. And then you pretty much discard it as being virtually useless in, in practice with, with our clients. So let's go into a bit of the science behind failure. So what, what's sort of the, the belief system? That's not even fair because I, I know there's two different tribes and mentalities around failure, but what is the prevailing research and evidence point to about the importance of, or the need to train to failure? Yeah. So, um, obviously the body needs to adapt and to adapt, it needs to be challenged. Um, so failure is a good way 
to gauge sort of how challenging it is, just like the RPE and the RIR scale. Um, but the things that most people don't take into account is recovery, right? And that's sort of that, the differing in those belief systems is that, you know, you should be able to recover from max, but if you're going to max all the time, you know, intuitively you would just think that, oh, you're not gonna be able to recover, right? And especially for beginners going all the way to max, first of all, they don't really know where that is. Um, second of all, um, they don't have the neuromuscular control um, or even the right motor pattern movements and stuff like that to be able to figure out where it sort of sits. Um, but the whole idea behind it is that on one side, the closer you get to failure, the more you're challenging your body. So therefore the more it'll adapt and the more you'll get that uh, strength and muscle mass increase. Um, but yeah, again, we just need to take into account the recovery behind that kind of stuff. So we want to get close to failure. Um, I find RIR2, depending on how heavy and the volume of your sets is always sort of safer for beginners and even into intermediate. Yeah. If you've got a set of dumbbell curls, you're going to failure. There's not really a ton of risk, but if you're taking barbell squats or barbell bench press without a spotter to strict failure or even beyond because your form starts compromising a little bit then we're starting to get into probably a risk to reward trade-off that I'm not so happy about. Um, another thing, and, and you, did, you, you hit on it, and I wanna take it a little further with failure, is you accumulate a lot of fatigue. And when you go to failure with a lot of your sets, you can accumulate fatigue faster than you can accumulate training effect. Yeah. And so the big argument, which usually shows up in the high level bodybuilding world, which I'm kind of hoping a lot of the people listening are probably not even worried about it. And it becomes very tribal as they argue about, oh no, you need to train to failure. Intensity is what matters most. Volume doesn't matter. And then the other side, they, 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 the, the intensity side claims that the volume side doesn't really care about the intensity, which is not really true. For, and I tend to use Renaissance periodization. Dr. Mike Gazertel is kind of one of my main resources on this. Mm -hmm. And his stuff gets a bit complicated, but you know, for anybody who's interested, in this, dive into it. Oh, one of your dogs is barking. There we go. That's okay. Anybody like that? Um, but what Mike says with you, that's if you get within a couple of reps of strict form failure, you're probably going to optimize, I think, the, the training effect against the amount of fatigue you accumulate. If you're smashing against failure or doing a lot of past failure training, like drop sets, or there's a whole bunch of cheat reps, which I think are junk, then uh, you're probably going to accumulate more fatigue. So that, that's why we don't, we're very selective about how we push people to absolute failure. And then the exercise that we're going to failure on also really matters a lot too. Mm -hmm. uh, any other thoughts about that? No, no. I think we did pretty good there. Um, Anyway, what about why tracking actual reps in reserve is going to be helpful for someone? Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned earlier, it's really good gauge on which direction to move for next week. Um, so then, you know, you know where to go, right? So if you're, if you're RIRS2 and you thought at the end of your set, well, maybe that was a three or four, you know, next week that you can go heavier when, if you're still 
you know, um, going with that reps and reserve of two. Um, it's also a good gauge um, to see how that workout went. Maybe you didn't push yourself hard enough. Um, it's a good thing to write down, you know, right after that set, because then, you know, you're clear in your mind rather than guessing later. Um, and like I said before, some days are better than others, um, especially with women and their hormones, like they, they are all over the place. So um, your mindset for that day is really important to keep track of, right? Because one week, you know, 85 pound squat might be really easy. And the next week, it might not be so easy, right? So it's, it's good to keep yourself in check. But um, more importantly, it gives you a, a gauge for tracking it to make sure that you're progressing and you're moving up, not just with weight, but, um, you know, how it becomes easier the more that you practice it. And if you have a day that's tougher in the midst of it, you can look for the trend in the progression, right? Yeah, so yeah and then you can... No, as you just say, you just don't get discouraged about a day that's not as good because it happens to everybody. Yeah. And then you can compare it to the rest of your day. Like you know, most people don't realize that sleep's really important. Um, what you ate that day, the time of day of your training, um, and then potentially looking into that kind of stuff, realizing where you could fix things, things that are easier to fix, like, you know, eight hours of sleep. Um, maybe you're better at working out in the morning compared to the evening or the afternoon. Um, and some things you just don't think about that. You just think, oh, that was a shitty workout, whatever. But um, in reality, it could it could be affected by something else. Any other thoughts on any of these topics? You think we covered it well? Yeah, I think uh, reps and reserve isn't is decently intuitive, but with practice, I think that's the most important thing practice, be honest with yourself, um, and tracking it, writing it down, really important, not just guessing. Good. Data is good. So yeah. we really appreciate everybody who tuned in. Um, these episodes were intending to keep a little bit on the shorter side. It, along the way, we're going to try to book some well-known guests uh, in the industry uh, who are going to be great for our audience. And uh, we're going to do the best to get both be it Bailey and I for those guests. Sometimes it may just be me based on schedule, but we're going to do it what we can. And if you enjoyed this, well, two thoughts. One is if you're finding us from the outside, um, please, you know, subscribe. We, we plan to see what we can do with this. We're going to come back with episodes. We're going to figure out the frequency and we've got a lot to still figure out what we want to do with this podcast, but we want to keep delivering practical topic-based information. And if you're just finding us through podcast and you're not yet a follower of either of our social media, okay? So mine is at Andrew Coates Fitness. Connect with me there, message me there. And Bailey? Yeah, mine, uh, Bailey Lalfit, L-A-U, last name. Awesome. So thanks for everybody who's listening, and uh, we'll bring you another episode uh, hopefully shortly. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Oops.